I say go for things until you're like, ugh, this is definitely not for me. You know what I mean? Like if your gut feeling finally is like, no, I don't trust this person or I don't, I really don't want to take on this work. You know, like I just had a kid or I have grandkids or I don't know, right? I think whenever you're adding something to your plate, you have to be really careful about is the time and money that I'm going to invest and what am I going to get out of it, right? And so I think it could be great. Welcome back. I'm excited to see you. If we haven't met yet, I'm Emily Benson. I am the founder of Boutique Training Academy, where we help you learn professional level retail training for your boutique. So welcome back. Today, what I'm going to do is actually talk about an email that I got. So I love responding to questions. That is how I feel like I teach best. And so I've been getting some really interesting questions either in my DMs or in email. And so I've just been asking the person like, hey, can I record this as a podcast or as a video? And they're like, yeah, yeah, totally fine. So today is what I'm calling to pickleball or not pickleball how to choose pop-up locations or store-in-store locations for your business. Now, a lot of boutiques will start online or they'll have one brick and mortar. And there's all these opportunities to sort of rent a space inside. We see it a lot in salons. There's actually like very specific... I don't even know what they're called. Maybe they're co-ops basically, where you can rent a space and it's like a lot of little shop and shops. It's shop and shops one big shop with lots of little shops. And we've seen this forever. I mean, this is a pop-up. This is a, a fair, a vendor event, an antique mall. It's all the same thing, right? And it's really interesting because if you are just online, it's definitely a good opportunity for you to be in front of people and see what the sales look like and see how things can change for you from an assortment perspective and from an ideal customer perspective and just getting more customers, getting your name out there more, all that stuff. It's all generally a good situation. The question becomes, how do you choose? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to read Jana's email. Jana has been a longtime student client and awesome, awesome person uh, in our boutique land. And she has taken a ton of my classes, listens to everything I say. So hi, Jana. Um, I'm so happy that you wrote into me and like we can just do it this way. This is so fun. So here's the deal. I'm going to read what Jana asked. And just background is Jana has a brick and mortar. She's had it for a while. She's doing really well. She said she started at $1,000 a month. Now she's doing over $25 every single month, $25,000 every month. So yay, Jana. Um, And so I want to tell you about her situation. Okay. So I'm going to read that here. Hi, Emily. I hope you and your family are doing well. I have a question for you. I had a gentleman approach me wanting to merchandise his pickleball court complex here in Missouri. He has one of the largest complexes in the States and plans on opening more. Apparently, his customers want him to carry more pickleball products. However, he doesn't have all the contacts and knowledge with merchandising like I have. Um, To be honest, he probably just doesn't want to deal with it either, which... This is Emily talking. I can understand that. (laughs) I'm intrigued with the opportunity, but I don't exactly know how to approach it. 
I'm a retailer, not a wholesaler. He simply wants me to order items from his complex, keep my tags, promote my business, and keep his customers happy with all the fun pickleball goodies. He does want to make money on the deal too, which I totally understand. I just can't figure out how to make it work. I'm reaching out to you to see if you have any ideas and to ask you if you think this is a good opportunity. My biggest question is, how would I mark up these items where we are both making money on the deal? Okay. And then she writes me a beautiful love note telling me how I've been so amazing. And um, she started listening to my podcast and taking courses and attending retreats. And she's grown from $1,000, barely $1,000 a month to making at least $25,000 a month. Whoa. And she's only open five days a week, six hours a day. I'm reading it here from my computer. So I am so excited for this opportunity for Jana. This is really cool to be recognized by someone in your community. Obviously, Jana has built her reputation up so that this you know, other business person can come to her and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Now, from his perspective, he is interested in expanding his business in terms of like getting people on pickleball courts, right? Like building those complexes, having people play memberships. That's where his head is at. Probably lessons things for kids. You know, he's running that part of the business. So what she would be doing is taking a space in each of these complexes and merchandising it out. So again, Jana already has a nice life. She doesn't need this. However, it is a great business opportunity when you think about it, right? So number one, her biggest question, let's just start there. How does she make money, have him make money and it all be worth it? Okay. So number one, my guess is if people have a membership to a pickleball court, they have access to some money to spend on some fun stuff. So I would number one, learn about who's the ideal customer in this pickleball situation. Uh, Who is he marketing to? What is that demographic? And start to understand what kind of finances do they have behind you them. Because I think at the end of the day, you have to make sure that the people walking through the door, they're seeing merchandise that reflects the experience that they're having in that space. So understanding, you know, is this more luxury? Is there daycare? Is there what what's the vibe? of these complexes, right? Because that's going to be a huge, in my opinion, determining factor on whether or not he and you can make this work. Because you're right, you're going to have to build into every product a margin where he gets a cut and you get a cut. Yes, yes, yes. Now, how do we do that in a way where it doesn't blow the budget too, right? I mean, this is where you have to... I keep thinking like, oh, it has to be affordable stuff. It doesn't, okay? Again, I think the people spending money on a membership to a pickleball place complex. I, what, I don't even know what to call it. I don't, I don't know anything about pickleball. And this is what I would say is get to the point where you know about pickleball. You know who that customer is. You know how much they're spending when they walk through the door. Um, and you know that like how often they're coming, right? That's the other piece of this is how often will you have to change merchandise? Will this be monthly? Will this be bi-weekly, right? Are you going to have a branded set of things? I could get into so much detail about this. But at the end of the day, I think you've got to figure out who that ideal customer is for the complex. If you feel like you can do a 3 or 4x margin, great. Okay. I think at the end of the day, in my mind, I would love everything to be priced like $50 to $100. If it was clothing, maybe $125 if we're really doing clothing. But also the fun stuff like 
you know, visors, accessories. You do want a good crop of accessories in there too. And I would say you could do some branded or some pickleball theme. Like you're saying, it has to be fun. I also think there's opportunity to like sell some cute pullovers and things like that that might just be even basics, right? So what's going to have to happen in your assortment plan? And this would be my next step. If it was like, I know this is a great opportunity. I know this is going to work. My next step would be to build out an assortment plan and say, what do I think this person needs? What do I think realistically they're going to buy too? Because like, again, they're not there. Their primary purpose to be there is absolutely not shopping with you, right? If they want to do that, they can come to your store. This has to be completely different, completely unique, and worth like the stop in, right? Um, so I would start to build out that assortment. What are the basics? What is branded? Like, he does he want his logo on things, right? Uh, to me, that's where you start to figure out what kind of margins can you get. So putting, you know, saying, okay, we do want accessories. We want to do three styles of hats. Uh, the average cost on a hat is going to be $10, but I definitely think we can get $35 for a great hat that has embroidery on it, something like that. I, you know, I'm guessing here. I don't really know what your assortment plan would be, but that would be my next step because once you know the product assortment and what the mix is and what the wholesale and retail guesses are, you know, like you know this stuff and, and I would say overestimate. <laughs> with margin, like in terms of cost, you know, everything. I think when you start a new business, which let me remind you, this is 100% starting a new business. When you are in this situation, you get to start from scratch, but you already have all the knowledge that you have currently, right? So I think it would be really nice to consider like, what's the assortment? What is the space he's going to give me? And draw it out. Like I'm a very visual person. So my next step would be to draw this out um, on a piece of paper or like just sketch it, right? Am I getting just a wall? Am I going to get fixtures? What about a cash wrap? Where do people check out? Like kind of walking through that flow and then thinking about, okay, well now what's the investment? What do I need to invest in the inventory here? Uh, Because at this point, you can go two ways with the owner, right? You could go 50-50 or you could go 75-25. I don't know. You could do a split, right? Where you go in, he puts some money in, you put some money in, and you know that's what you pull out of the business, right? You could do it that way or you could rent from him. So are you going to upfront all the costs, right? I mean, that's a big risk for you, obviously. So I think you've got to think through some of that as well. So let's say he's going to give you one wall, right? You fixture out the wall. You say, here's the tops, here's the bottoms, and I need some kind of racks or a small square for accessories like on this wall. To me, what you're doing is you're rolling this plan out to every complex he does. Okay. So you have like a set model and you're just opening new locations, but you always have, you know, and again, this goes back to the assortment plan. Do you always have a branded crew neck sweatshirt that's unisex? And that goes from double XL to 5XL, 3XL, and it's branded with their logo or it has a pickleball thing on it or has a cool, you know, that goes in every location. And then seasonally, you change out the colors of that. So that, you know, in the spring, it's a pink. And then in the fall, it's a navy, right? Depending on how you want to do this, you can make it very structured um, because I think that's going to make it easier for you. I don't think that you're going to want to do everything you do in your boutique here. So there may be a category or two from your boutique. Let's say you have great 
like, let's go back to hats. Maybe you sell great hats and you're like, people wear hats when they play pickleball. I'm making this up. So I'm going to take my hats from my store and I'm going to buy five more units and I'm going to put them in this location, right? You've got to think through some of those details. And I think that's why probably you're feeling like, oh, is this a good opportunity or is it not? Because a lot of it lies in the detail of the product. You don't know how much money you can make until you know how much space he's going to give you. So you know kind of your per square foot money that you want to make. And you don't know that once you have the square footage, okay, now how much inventory do I need to get this set up? And what, you know, then, okay, I can look at each different product category and say, okay, what's the margin on that? And then how much would I buy of it? Because I do think that you could make this work. I do think it could be kind of cool. And I think the big crux of it is figuring out, are you going to pay him rent and you invest in inventory and it's like you own a plot of land in his complex? Or is he partnering with you and I want you to get the bigger cut because you're doing all the work, obviously. Um, But does he just get some kind of percentage off the top and that makes it better for, you know, fluctuating sales? Like, I guess, what is his like membership numbers? Like, I don't know, how much is he expecting to do in these, right? Like, that's the other piece of it. So let me just get to a couple really specific questions that Jana emailed back because I think they're interesting and I, don't, and I haven't touched on them, right? So a technical question, she asked, how will I invoice or track something that's being sold somewhere else? So if you're using a POS system like Shopify, which I always recommend, um, that is going to have locations on it. So you would get an iPad, you would you know, set it up on someone's phone. Who's going to work there? I don't, I don't understand. Um, or is, are you going to check out with his general merchandise? That would be something where I would either add a location in my own Shopify and set up my own, you know, do my own revenue. Or if he's going to do it somehow through his POS system, they're going to have to set it up as you as a vendor um, and you as your own thing. I just think that for you, this is another store location, right? It's being sold somewhere else. You're not going to invoice it. You're not going to be able... It's going to have to be tracked kind of on its own, in its own logistics, especially because I think like you are going to want to have some merchandise that doesn't look like your store. I think that's a huge benefit here is that like you could do some higher margin stuff that is a little more basic, that is, you know, maybe has an embroidery on it or a screen print on it. Like that would be really fun. So another really good logistical question is, how do I come up with a contract? So um, the vendors that I've worked so hard to build relationships with don't suddenly just, they start going straight to the vendor and doing their own thing. I mean, I think this is how you set up the business. I think that if you're in charge of everything, then, you know, they don't necessarily see invoices. You, you know, bring it over there. There's got to be something where, yes, you can totally write it in a contract, um, but you can also write out a contract, you should regardless because like you're renting from this person or you're going into a partnership, right? All of that has to be outlined. So the way I keep imagining it, to be honest with you, is that you are renting space inside of his store, inside of his complex. So it's not his store. It's your store that you're renting. And so like you're I think that's the better situation that you're autonomous. Another question she asks about is if it's going to really drive traffic to her other store. I think maybe, but it's definitely not a guarantee. I think what you're trying to do is make money there. <laughs> like to me, this is you opening a new branch, like a new location, a new brand slash location. And that's how I'm automatically thinking of it. I'm not thinking of this as like you putting 
your stuff in there. Like, I think it has to be more structured, especially because he is going to build a bunch of them, right? So it's like, this has to be duplicatable. And these things have to self-support. They're like, if they drive business to your store, great. If they don't, great. You have to be able to run this and make money on its own without saying like, oh, this is great marketing. Like, I'm sure it is, but I also don't, you can't prove that to me. (laughs) So like, I don't know about that. Okay. Um, the uh, the last thing, you know, I think the big thing that Jana is really asking about, and I think this is a huge risk, like this might be a bigger risk than, you know, putting a booth at, at a pop-up event, right? Or at a fair or something like that. This is obviously a bigger commitment. And so I don't want to, you know, minimize this at all. But I, you know, Jana's like, this is a huge thing. Like, why would I want to do this? You know, like, what's the benefit? What's the cost benefit? My life is great. <laughs> you know, Jana's like, my life is good. I get it you know, do you really want to add all this to your plate? And I think the question becomes in the setup of it. If you have the freedom to rent the space, to try it for a year, you know, that's flexible terms. Um, you're going to invest not a ton of money. Like maybe you invest 5,000, you know, I don't even know that that feels like a lot anyway, you know, but maybe you and you set us a budget, you really track the numbers and like in a year you reassess and you say, okay, I'm ready to open in the other locations that you keep building. Right. I think that this is a completely different business and I think you should look at it as such. I think the problem is, is you're seeing it as like an extension of your own store. But in this specific situation, I think it's more intricate. And I think that you have to figure out how do you take the concept that you're already doing with your brand, make it work at a pickleball complex, and then roll that out to multiple locations, right? That's really what we're talking about. Because I don't think you can say, oh, I'm going to take the essence of my store and put it here. It has to work with the pickleball place, right? It has to work with those customers. I think I experienced this a lot when I opened my own location. I had this great spot on Main Street, tons of traffic by. Parking was terrible. I wasn't near a grocery store or any other like location. Uh, Like there was nothing around me. I was completely alone. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have the same customer I have in Boston, 45 minutes outside of Boston. That was not correct. It was a completely different customer. Did some of it work for both? Yes, totally. But I should have been more mindful and knowing that the ideal customer in my brick and mortar was really different than the one in my truck. And so I want you for this pickleball niche niche audience to really understand are they really like your your audience? Like I don't uh, you know, I don't know anything about pickleball. I'm sure you can do research, maybe you play, but I would get to know that ideal customer. And this is the same if you were going to do any pop-up or an event. Like people used to invite me to do craft fairs all the time at their church. And I was like, "Thank you so much. Like I am so honored for the invitation." However, the craft fair customer is not my customer. And I I just have to be clear that like my time is not worth going to a craft fair. Like I wish you well. I hope you find other vendors. That's not for me. And that's okay. You know, so I think you've got to also figure out is this pickleball customer like someone you resonate with, someone you feel like you can buy for? Because if they're not, that's also not going to jive. So there's so much to consider. I totally understand all the questions, why you're overwhelmed. I get it. And I don't really have a super clear answer for you, but I think 
being a little bit more organized in just like the logistics of it all, I think you could streamline it. And I think it could be very simple where it's, you know, runs on its own schedule. It kind of runs with its own assortment. um, But that takes a ton of work to set up. So is it worth it? I think probably it's worth exploring and taking kind of next steps and seeing what the contract looks like. And you know what I mean? Like, explore it. I I say go for things until you're like, ugh, this is definitely not for me. You know what I mean? Like if your gut feeling finally is like, no, I don't trust this person or I don't, I really don't want to take on this work. You know, like I just had a kid or I have grandkids or, you know, I don't know. Right. I think whenever you're adding something to your plate, you have to be really careful about is the time and money that I'm going to invest and what am I going to get out of it? Right. Um, And so I think it could be great. I also think it could be horrible. (laughs) But hopefully I've given you more to think about and some, you know, logistical things that maybe you hadn't thought of and maybe some new solutions to problems you didn't think of. But thanks so much for listening today. I appreciate you. And here's to making lots of friends and making lots of money.